No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. Ah, yes, it's a big hello and welcome. Wonderful to be with you, as always, and once again, for No Man Should Ever Walk Alone, with thanks to our great mates at Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. Danny Frawley, good evening to you. I feel like I've seen far too much of you today already. No, you have, Jack, and uh, good evening, listeners. It's, it's great to be back in the land of the, the Oz, the, the great sunburned country of God. I've been over in America for a week, and gee, it's great to go away, Jack. But we are in the luckiest country in the world, Australia. America's a great spot. Don't uh, get me wrong. But good coffee here, good meals, good friendship. And, uh, yeah, America, I'm not sure what it is, what, what it got about it, but it's just great to get back and, and be in a, in a country that uh, we are so, feel so very lucky. The security getting through airports now, yeah. through LAX, Los Angeles Airport, I, I got uh, a total frisk at one job. A stage, and yeah, I, I actually thought because the guy asked me, um, "Do you want to go into a private area?" And I thought, "I oh, know he's just going to." Mate, it was the full-on search, and it was just. Were you a bit of a dodgy customer? Do you? Think? Well, I, think, I they, don't know why it's they've, so, they've so, so big. Thought, oh, we've got to get him. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. But now, looking forward to tonight's show. You know, all range of things. I, I coached Kane Johnson. Uh, tried to get him for a couple of years. He finally came to the Tigers. He was a dual. Premiership player for the Adelaide Crows, doing a great job on, I think, initially Robert Harvey in their first win in 97. I'm pretty sure it was Anthony Stevens uh, in the next one in 98, yeah. back-to-back grand finals at a very young age. Kane's the type of fella that uh, you'd love him. It's your footy club, your cricket club, whatever club. Life of the party, loved a few beers, loved uh, testing the medal on where the, the line in the sand is, how much is enough. And now he's reinvented himself. So our theme tonight is it's never too late to make a change and it's never too late to try and help people. And some of the work he's doing now behind the scenes and helping men transform their lives in a health and well-being scenario is really uplifting. So I'm really looking forward to, to speaking to Kane later on. He'll join us very, very shortly. As always, Emily Braber on the Nutritionist mm. to the Stars and Rob Code from Travel Fit 360 with all of your fitness tips as well. And you can join us on 0433981116. I'm looking forward to speaking to Emily about the protein bread that she kindly sent down to us. It's yes. been outstanding, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, looking forward to having a good chat yeah. about that. Now, with Kane Johnson, and we'll talk about yep. this with him, the, the field of athlete transition mm. fascinates me. Yeah. And it fascinates me because very yeah. lucky in what I do that I can yeah. talk to current players and then yeah. players who are into the next phase. What was it like for you when you finished up at St Kilda, mm. proud career at the Saints, did you, you went down the coaching path. Was that always a clear path for you or was there a bit of uncertainty at some point that, gee, what am I going to do when I finish footy? No, you're spot on. I was always going back to the farm. Still not quite back there yet, but what happened when I retired, I was lucky enough to get a couple of offers because I'd worked at the AFL in development. I'd sort of been around a lot of clubs, so I was lucky enough to get an offer to coach at the VFL team at either North Melbourne and Collingwood. And then I had to make the choice and obviously went to Collingwood. So it was sort of... Did I really want to coach? I'm not sure, but let's have a crack. Because once yeah. I knew I went back to the bush, would have went back and probably coached in a playing capacity, East Ballarat or Bungaree, where I uh, started. And I knew once I went back, I was never coming back. So I thought, whilst I'm down here, let's give it a crack. So I was nervous. I was apprehensive. But I was excited. And I was really uh, looking forward to what the future held. And 
you know, then obviously Collingwood four years, then Richmond, media, and probably now here talking to you and the listeners. And if I hadn't made that sort of sliding doors moment, who knows what would have happened. But I'm happy if I've made that choice and making the risk. So it's never too late, Jack, to try something different and get out of the, the normal genre that you live in. And that's the theme of tonight's show, is yep. that it's never too late. And, and a lot of people make career changes. Oh, yep. I, I made a big one at 23 to, to mm. jump into media. From coaching to media, I mean, a lot of people yep. would say that it's a pretty natural transition. And for you, it's, you know, you, you one of your greatest assets is talking footy and, and just being one of the boys. But it's a different skill set you've got to learn altogether because there's, you know, technical parts yep. of getting in and out of breaks, etc. Was that... Was that, again, another natural transition for you? Or was that a bit daunting to finish your coaching and jump into media? No, it was daunting because that transformation was forced upon me mm. purely for the fact that uh, we performed quite well in my coaching. And I say we. And then the last couple of years wasn't great. And obviously the scoreboard's the big winner in football, as we know. The scoreboard wasn't in my favour. That was probably my most daunting time. Forget playing into coaching. Coaching to be one of the the top 18 coaches in the land to then have this uncertainty of what the future holds. Because if you're a rugby league coach or a soccer coach, you can actually go overseas and still apply your craft and get really well looked after remuneration wise. So I was really lucky that I'd coached Richmond, but then a door just opened up out of the blue because I coached Richmond to the wooden spoon in 2004 and a day after round 22, I'm looking around, what's next? I get a phone call from Mark Brayshaw, the brother of James Brayshaw. Look, there's a spot to do some special comms on a Friday night, Saturday through the finals. And I just said yes, straight away. And it was amazing. I walked in thinking about the last eight weeks of what happened at Richmond. It wasn't great. You know, you're trying to transition yourself and players and moving on. And Terry Wallace was taking over as coach. So it was very daunting. And I was sort of on the treadmill and just not sure what when I was going to get off. Then when I walked into the coach, sorry, the media box, it's fair to say I was pretty flat. My ego was yeah. was fairly well dusted. But then James Brayshaw introduced me as, you know, the longest at that stage, the longest serving captain at St Kilda and state player and, you know, a champion defender. And all of a sudden the shoulders went back and the head went up and I thought, gee, I have sort of done a little bit in life. And yeah, I did coach Richmond to a to final, albeit a prelim in 2001. So it's a a great example of don't look at the glass half empty, look at the glass half full. And that last eight weeks at Richmond, definitely I was glass half empty. You know, it was a woe is me. And then all of a sudden I thought, how lucky am I going to a game of football right now and getting paid to do what I love? And I'm still doing it. So I'm extremely fortunate and extremely grateful. And that's why hopefully I'm around for a few more years because I'm really passionate about this show as you are to give men out there the opportunity to, to reinvent themselves. No man should ever walk alone. It's all brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. David Beckham inspired by re- by respect. 90 mil, only thirty nine ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. you got a bit of that on tonight. I, so, have, you? I can just I sniff admit, you from the other side of the no, studio. I must admit, I had it on and I bought some uh, duty-free and, and then before I went out and sorry, at Chemist Warehouse and then, yeah, there was a guy sitting next on the plane probably <laughs> needed a little bit. So I probably... I probably miss my head a little bit, even though it's hard to miss. Sort of went his way just a little bit, just to make sure that uh, we're all on the same wavelength, as you might say, Jack. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Our first guest is just shaking his head. 
Time to welcome in our first guest here on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. And this is some sort of footballing resume, Danny Frawley, for our guest. Mm. 220 games, two-time premiership player, Richmond captain, Jack Dyer medalist, Adelaide team of the decade on the half-forward flank. His name is Caden Johnson, and he joins us on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. Hello, Jono. How you going, boys? Jono, going well. Mate, we've had a bit of a theme tonight about transformation and... You know, we're going to talk about your journey for a star as a footballer and how you ended up where you did. And then, more importantly, the work, the great work that you're doing, one for yourself, but more importantly for other people out there and really promote your business. So, how, how, did, how did you get to Essendon? Obviously, through the uh, the draft, you were an Eastern Rangers footballer for memory? Yep, two years at Eastern Rangers. And yep. then got drafted, I think it was an early pick to... To Adelaide. Adelaide, so pick 27, I think it was in the end. Um, still was a seven-year-old, yeah. so still had another year of under-18s at that stage. That's when the draft was still that. And what year was that? Uh, 1995. So it was a pretty quick transformation when you think of 97, 98. Um, nearly, you know, you're, you're a teenager, 2021. you've played in two flags and performed really well in both. Unfortunately, against the Saints, I'm one against my good friend Robert Harvey, but... <laughs> You thought, the world's your oyster now. Did you think you were, at that stage, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, or you were just thankful for what happened? Oh, look, it, it all happened really quickly, and really fortunate for, for it to happen, and was fortunate enough to, to go to Adelaide and be part of a really unique group that came mm. together, and Blighty came for those two years, and, and really uh, made a huge impact on everyone. Um, and yeah, look, it was early, and, and I thought that um, back then it was, you know, life became, football became pretty easy to win. Mm. Um, and then even I was there for seven years. We played finals five years, three prelims mm. and two grand finals. So it was, it was a really good run. And um, obviously when I went to Richmond, things mm. changed a little bit and, and worked out that, um, you know, it doesn't just come easily. And the, the, you're always a great trainer. Um, just Just getting back to the Adelaide days, you always had a... Uh, great success there, but you're always a bit of a Melbourne boy. You always wanted to come back and hopefully play at the Tigers. And I can remember, I think it was late 2001, we had a we had a lunch and a coffee. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen through the trading period and management got involved and we, we couldn't get you. you. You played another year at Adelaide, then we finally got to the year after. What was that like to know that, one, okay, I'm moving on, I'm going to the Tigers. This is, sounds good. You know, Spud looks like a... You know, not not a bad fella, and then all of a sudden it just it fell over, basically at the eleventh hour. Yeah, I thought it was done. To be honest, yeah. I'd signed. It was. I was on the plane. Yeah. Think it was done. Yeah. By the time I got to Melbourne, it wasn't done. Yeah, I was pretty excited. Um, but I think it was big. Dutchy Holland pulled out yeah. at the last minute, yep. so he was pretty keen to stay on, which made made the deal yeah. um, not go ahead. But um, look, how it, did it that was, go mentally? Yeah, unfortunate. It was unfortunate at the time because I was really ready to come back at that time, and I probably wasn't playing. I didn't have my best year at Adelaide. It was okay, mm. but it wasn't quite going as well as what I could have. And um, Look, what it did do is gave me another chance at Adelaide to really finish off as, as well as I could, and I just it made sure I had a really big pre-season that year um, and made sure I played um, as good a footy as I could to make sure I could still get a chance to come back the following year, which I was fortunate enough mm. that that still happened. Um, I actually didn't think it was going to be Richmond mm. the next year. Yeah. It was like Collingwood yeah, in, the, did. in the front seat, and then Richmond was the last hour. And and then you've, you've came to the Tigers, and unfortunate, you know, 2001, two, 2000, we had... A bit of a spiral, and it fell away pretty quickly. Um, I felt I felt bad because I got you over promising you this was what was going to happen. You came to a club who were probably on a rebuild. A lot of our great players retired. The youngsters come coming in for whatever reason didn't really hit the mark. How frustrating was that um, for you personally? And 
more importantly, team-wise, where Adelaide, it looked like, you look around, you've got McLeod over there, Edwards, you've got Rashudo, you've got all these superstars, and all of a sudden, you're the man, and you have to lead the way. Yeah, it was massive change, huge change. And look, I think we still had some really good players back then. We still had Wayne Campbell yeah. and you know Matthew Richardson and Mark Coghlan was a young yeah. bloke coming through. So there's still some really good players, yeah. and I thought we still had a really Otto. good chance in those years. Otto and you know we still had a pretty good group mm. to to, um, to have a good crack, but um, we were just unfortunate, I think, with a few injuries at that time as well. Um, and we didn't quite get the form going that we mm. that we all hoped we would. Um, but it was definitely a big shift for me, definitely playing. Um, with the likes of Rashudo, Goodwin, yeah. McLeod. Because they would have led you, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just went along for the ride and was fortunate enough to play in those teams. But then when you come across to Richmond and you, you are one of the main midfielders, there's definitely a, a, a shift in that. Um, I think it helps you grow as a person and, and as a player. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a lot easier being the person that was could just play mm. on the wing and come in and, and pinch hit rather than um, being that sort of go-to midfielder. And then the last year, looking back, and as I said, as a coach from a... Not not a selfish point of view. You wanted team success for you. I got you, and then I, we, we were lucky enough to get Nathan Brown, and it looked like it was really going to turn. And for whatever reason, you know, Cambo did his Achilles, and Brad's back uh, played up. But I'll never forget the the fact that you just kept turning up training, as much as you know that the coach was sort of under pressure whether he was going to hold his job. But I look back on pretty fond memories from a lot of you guys because it would have been quite easy for you to think about yourself and. Start using blame, but your performance, performances, especially the leaders, was great, and, and no, in particular yourself. Yeah, look, it wasn't easy times. It, it was mm. pretty tough because Richmond's obviously a really big yeah, it's club. A big it's club. All, always under a, a bit of pressure, and obviously they've turned it around now. But um, yeah, it wasn't easy. But I, I learned some great lessons coming through the Adelaide system. They're, they're a powerful club mm. on and off the field, and they taught really good lessons to their young people coming through about training habits and, and things like that. So I was fortunate enough to have that that grounding and that that teaching that had been uh, instilled in me so um, I thought we all had to you know pull together hold together mm. and make sure we kept training and, and it's all about how you promote the young blokes coming through as well you've got a responsibility I think as a senior player to make sure you're leading the way in terms mm. of your habits and training habits and things like that and if you don't train well you never play well so and that was one of the things that Neil Craig was really strong on and you're obviously a Richmond supporter from the get-go yep. through through your old man I think he was yep. a mad Richmond supporter then all of a sudden the, the captaincy's been thrust upon you. Um, that must have been a great thrill. It was a great thrill. A bit scary, to be honest. It was not something I'd ever really... Um, so it's not... It's spot, you didn't plan to, for it? No, absolutely. I think it was just one of those things where, you know, the club, as you said before, Richmond was going through a big transition on and off the field. And they were looking for some new leadership. And obviously there was Richo and Brownie and Joel Bowden in the running as mm, well. And we went yep. through a whole pre-season where we were sort of put through different tests to to see who come out um, on top and, and took the captaincy. And in the end, I, I did get the job and I was reluctant in a way because yeah. um, I wasn't someone that liked Why to be was out. That? Just probably more from a, you know, I like to keep things pretty low-key as, as a player and, and a person. So it put me into situations that I was probably a little bit uncomfortable with at the time, but I had to... Um, learn and grow in different situations, which was really good for me in the end, but it probably put pressure on in, in ways that I wasn't ready mm. for in some ways. Um, but it was a great experience, and I, I'll never... Yeah, mm. It's one of those things in life that's changed me forever. And obviously, um, I think Chrissy Newman took over from you. Was that right? Yep. That must have been... Must have gave you a great thrill because he was there in my sort of latter years, but then to be able to, to hand over the baton to someone that you'd actually nurtured meant that not only in the limelight as a premiership, dual premiership player at Adelaide, but you actually started to leave a legacy at Richmond 
that's probably the fruits of the labour now. And I know that, you know, once you retire, you retire. But that must give you a great kick to see a guy like Chrissy Newman grow as a young player, very underrated, and all of a sudden lead to the club in his own right. Yeah, no, he was great, Chrissy. He was, he was probably what you'd really want out of a captain, just led, led from the front with his behaviours and the way he played footy. Um, and also, not just Chris, but there was also, you know, Trent Cotchin and Shane Edwards and Jack Rewalt and all these boys coming through. As, they were really young at that age, but one of the key responsibilities that I took on as a, as a senior person around the club and the captain was to make sure that they mm. had the right behaviours coming through. And I knew the club would turn at some stage, and maybe it wasn't going to turn mm. when, when we were all there, but it was going to turn. So it's, it was just it was a big responsibility for us to make sure that they didn't get lost in, in what was some pretty hard times. And they still knew how to come through the other side and, and eventually mm. it sort of unfolded. Kane Johnson's our special guest here on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the house of real fragrances. We'll take a break. Plenty more to come on the other side of this with Kane. No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. No man should ever walk alone. Wonderful to be with you all. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. Danny Frawley, our special guest tonight, is Kane Johnson. And Jono, we talked about your footy career, a great footy career. It's fair to say, like me, you used to love burning the candle at both ends. And now you've transitioned in into, into uh, one yourself. So let's talk about your own journey first. Then we'll talk about the corporate work that you do, an outstanding job in and really pump up the company. So tell us about your transition as a as a person, because I'm led to believe you went overseas and reinvented yourself. Yeah, it was following football. So obviously had um, 14 years in the AFL. Yeah. Um, obviously you train hard in the AFL yeah. and you're always fit and healthy, but yeah. you do burn the candle a little bit at both ends yeah. at times. Um, and then, you know, the, the last few years at Richmond were quite tough in terms of just yeah. mentally and emotionally. And there was a lot to go through when you're not winning, you know, yep. it's like when yep. you're not winning in football and, you know, the pressure that comes with that. And I, I once football finished, I, I decided not to just go straight into full-time work or anything mm. like that. I wanted to go and explore myself, travel, do things like that. And at the time, a good friend of mine was um, battling with cancer, who has yeah. passed away now. But um, we ended up going to China to train with the Shaolin monks over there. Mm. As a chance to do something completely different, um, for him to learn some mental techniques yep. to help him with his what he was going through in life, which was pretty pretty intense. Um, so we stayed on campus with the Shaolin monks. For, How long was this for? Oh, six weeks we stayed on campus. So basically you go there and it's really stripped back. You basically eat whatever they got, they grow on the land. Um, you, you sleep on beds with no mattress, no pillows or anything like that. So they strip everything away from you Jerk. to basically break you down and then rebuild you. Um, and you train the way they train. Yeah. So you get up in the morning at 6am, you do Tai Chi for an hour. Then from sort of, you have breakfast and then from 9 till say 3 in the afternoon, there's different forms of physical um uh, training yep. and, and learning forms like kung fu forms, and then you finish the day with um, like a qigong or meditation practice. So it's all about that yin and yang. So you've yep. always got the balance of the hard and the physical, and then you've got the balance of the, the mental and emotional and spiritual. Did you um, ever do any yoga or meditation beforehand? as a player? Or so towards the end of my career, you know, as your body yep. ages, I started to do some different training. So more Eastern style yep. training of um, you know breathing and um, stretching yep. and th- not not particularly yoga, but mm. forms of that. Yep. And I started to really enjoy it and then started to explore different diet techniques and things like that to lean down a little bit and not carry so much mm. weight while I was playing. So I had started that mental yep. process of, of going through those changes, but it wasn't until I went to China. And it was the first day we practiced Qigong, which is a practice like Tai Chi, which is energy and working with um, breathing, movement um, and, and meditation. 
And the first day we practiced that in the afternoon, I hadn't even heard of it at mm. this stage, but I just remember the feeling I got through the body and the release in the mind and the stomach that I got. And I didn't realize how wound, wound up I was mm. actually at that stage. And it was really tight yeah. and stressed that I didn't even realize was there. And I remember that feeling of letting go. And I just knew at that stage, at that time, that this is what I wanted to follow moving forward. And the, the one thing I took from that whole trip was that um, uh, I wanted to learn and practice meditation and, and qigong and breathing. So after that, I came back to Melbourne and, and found a master here of qigong and then started training under him and basically just let that lead the rest of my life. And then from there, started studying holistic um, wellness and yep. coaching and all that type of thing. And then for my own business, working with athletes. So the one thing that I realized was that, you know, through 14 years of football, yeah. there wasn't a lot of mental training yep. or meditation or anything yep. like that to support people going through sort of tough times or even just, you know, perfecting mm. your, your craft mentally. Um, and thought that there was a real gap there. So started working one-on-one with athletes at that time, which was a real passion of mine and had some good success with people, really enjoyed that process. But then Matt Hornsby, who started Sano Health uh, yep. in 2012, that's the company you're heavily involved yeah, in. Yeah, so heavily involved with them now. But we started running. Is there a website for that? Yeah, there is. So just www.sanohealth.com.au. Um, so we started running high performance programs for senior executives, Matt yep. and I. So Matt would do all the physical high performance yep. conversations and coaching. And then I would do the, the mental and emotional side of things and breathing and meditation. Um, and had some really good fun and then just started getting a lot of work in that space, in the corporate space. And then the one on one stuff started to back off a little bit. Um, through those times just because I had young family mm. in that as well yep. and need to support the family and get work that was more secure. Mm. Um, and, yes, have continued to, to this day and we're, we're running sort of corporate programs for, for teams and businesses and things like that. How important is it? Because I think we've got to ask about, and I'm, as I said, I, I think you know where I've been and where I've sort of got to um, with life just on this treadmill of life and just thinking I've still got to achieve, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. The... The trip over to China, it must have been a great culture shock to say, "Geez, society now is just going way too fast for, for for what we're what what we're born to do. Just mm. to sit back and and one reflect, but more importantly, it's okay to do nothing for a while um, and just chill out." Yeah, absolutely. The key lesson from the monks over there was they they don't value their life of possessions and things that they mm. accumulate on the outside of them. Their whole um, wealth is their health. So they, yep. they live their life from the inside out. So yeah. if they're physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually strong, they're happy. Mm. That's all they need. Yep. And they're really passionate and one mind and single minded about that. Um, whereas in the Western world I think we're probably the opposite. You know, it's all accumulate first yep. and then health comes later. Um, so it was a really good wake up call for me and just to get that balance back in what and it doesn't mean you can't accumulate things, yeah. but as long as it's not at the detriment of your health. I think that's the key thing that we've always got to keep in mind is, is that real balance of, you know, making sure that we're strong and healthy on the inside and then you can still live a, you know, a pretty good life on the outside as well. So obviously that's a pretty hectic lifestyle and a really rewarding one. It must be rewarding to see whether they're high executives or just someone that's working in the corporate space to see these guys or, or ladies for that matter um, improving their well-being because... Really, when it all boils down, you only get one crack at it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And we see all sorts of people. And, you know, stress is one of the big things that comes, especially in the corporate world. Mm. If you're under pressure, you know, it's always about money, bottom line, things yeah. like that. And, you know, companies will get us in for all sorts of reasons. It might be just to improve engagement. It yeah. might be to improve their, you know, productivity or general happiness mm. around the place. And we provide programs, you know, depending on what the requirements are. There might be a 12-week behaviour change program or it might be a full year of just different um, activities that we bring through to try and uh, get the results that they, they're after. And you had a camp um, 
last year with it, where you got a lot of guys, similar similar um, pressures, stresses, took them away, mm. um, and I'm, I'm keen to go on the next one, and we'll we'll work out um, on our show how we can promote that over the next month or so. So, what what did that entail for the people out there listening to say, gee, I wouldn't mind just chilling out for three or four days and getting into John O's sort of um, genre more than just you know going out for breakfast, having two coffees, working your backside off, um, drop your kids off at sport, go to the pub, have seven pots and just do it all again the next day. Yeah, look, last year, men's health's been a bit of a passion of mine, yeah. especially since my dad passed away five years ago and he passed away at the age of 60, mm. 61, I think Far it was. Young. He was just young and he lived a pretty, you know, yeah. full-on life in yeah. terms of... He, he never fella. held back, great yeah. fella, great man and my best mate, but yeah. didn't know how to balance yeah. his life out. Um, so when he died, it sort of set me on this path as well. Yep. And men's health, as we all know, yeah. is one of those things. It's it's growing in, you know, um, not popularity. Pretty but stubborn, though, aren't we? Yeah, we're pretty stubborn men. And, and I, th- you know, we, we me and a couple of other boys thought there was a good opportunity to put something on for men. So we just thought we'd trial something last year and... We only advertised through Facebook, really, really mm. small, and ended up getting 25 men um, from the age of 25 all the way up to 60. There was um, tradesmen, there was lawyers, there was finance people. We went down to the Great Ocean Road and just um, basically hired out just a really simple space just opposite the beach there um, And from Friday night till uh, <laughs> Sunday lunchtime and basically just ran yep. um, like meditation, qigong, um, yoga, conversations, really good healthy food, nature walks, got in the water. It was really just a chance for yep. men to get away and yeah. just take off the no mask. No phones? No phones, no alcohol, nothing like that. And, you know, at first, the first night, people are going, where are the beers, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> and, yeah, it's the first conversation. That would have been, mate. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. And it was yep. quite, quite funny. And then by the next day, though, they were wrapped that it wasn't yeah, there. You're spot on. You know, and they just let it go. And then by the end of the weekend, they were hugging each other. And not yeah. that it was about hugging yeah, each other, but yeah. they were just really happy to have shared time with other yep. men that had similar issues to themselves. Um, so, yeah, so it was a great weekend. And we're looking forward to potentially putting on more down the track, um, but just making sure that it's in balance of my life as well and other people's life because you know i've got young kids and things like that so it's all about balance making sure you can actually do everything you want to do well mate you're a champion footballer a champion person but you're championing a great cause that we're really passionate here on our show no man should ever walk alone so i'm gonna have a chat to kane uh not have a coffee. We might have a little green tea or something like that. Peppermint tea. <laughs> Look at you go. And we'll Six talk about the next can because I reckon I've got a good little place up at Yaya. A mate of mine's got uh, 10,000 acres up there on a really good property with some some huts. Well, I think, well, I know I'll have a good time and we'll, we'll get that going, mate. So I really appreciate you coming on and... Just give that company a bit of a pump up again there, Jackie boy. Sunohealth.com.au. Jump online and check out everything that you need to know. Kane, thanks for your time. It's great to have you in tonight. Thanks, boys. Good on you, Jono. More to come. Stick with us on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. Great to have your company on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. As always, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. How good was Kane Johnson's butt? Absolutely sensational. Outstanding. A great uh, thing for all men out there. It's never too late to change. I think the, the work that Kane's done himself individually, but more importantly helping other men out there, has been outstanding. Rob Code from TravelFit360 is to join us a little bit later on in the hour as well, but... We always like to talk nutrition, yep. Spud, because it is so important in all facets of life. And 
when we talk nutrition, Emily Braybron, the nutritionist to the stars, and well, she's going to have some very handy hints mm. for you tonight, Spud. Hello, Em. Hey, guys. How are you? Going well, Emily. Uh, thanks for the protein bread. Yes. For, for all the listeners out there, it's, it's working well. And more importantly, I've just started the health kick, and, and I've got to be honest, I'm doing it tough. I've got no <laughs> coffee. I'm really light on the sugar. And it's, I must admit, it's playing on my brain big time. And that's why we wanted to get you on to tell, well, help me, but help the listeners to say that first two or three days, it is a bit of a shock to the system. Oh, my God, it absolutely is. And you know what? The more you, the more you tell yourself that you, you can't have something, the more you want it. Isn't it strange? It is. And that's, I'm a lot, you know, after dinner, especially at night watching the telly, just to grab a, a cookie or a little bit of chocolate. Is, is something that uh, I'm doing pretty tough at the moment. Yeah. There's a couple of ways you can, you can get around it. Um, sugar, let's put it this way. Um, a habit, so like you yep. just said, a cookie or a chocolate, a habit is an addiction. Yep. So in, in the nicest way, all people are addicted to something. So a lot of us are addicted to sugar or you know coffee mm. or cigarettes or something like that. Whatever the case may be, we all have a weakness, yep. something that we enjoy, enjoy just a little bit too much. And I think when we give that up, that's when our brain starts saying, no, 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 you need it, you need it. And that's why, why it's so hard to give it up. And I suppose the, the thing that I look forward to, hopefully in the next two or three days, is your body then doesn't crave it, more importantly your mind, and then all of a sudden you start to feel good. Because at the moment, uh, the coffee is something that, you know, I've looked back and far too much, three, sometimes four a day, especially media weekends, trying to get that uh, pep up all the time. The head, I've had a little bit of a headache, and it's probably something that the brain's saying, well, you need to have a coffee to get rid of that headache, but I'm determined to, to see it through. Oh, my God. I bet the wife loves you at the moment. You're <laughs> <skipping> and everything. <laughs> well, I'm taking the dog for a walk a hell of a lot, which is a, which is a positive in itself. That's also good, yeah. Look, and a few ways to, to overcome that kind of thing is to cut things out one at a time. So you might want to start with well, what you did today with cutting yep. out coffee. Yep. Um, and then, you know, next week cut out sugar. And then by, by that stage, you're just cutting out one thing at a time. It's not such a shock to the system. However, I'm more like you, and I've gone the whole hog just get rid of everything yep. and be good and you know what if you can survive five days monday through friday you just have to then get through the peer pressure of the weekend yeah that's the that's the key emily braver on original boot camp and transformation formation coach chatting to us here on no man should ever walk alone and jack's going through a little bit of a transformation himself emily he's got uh, quite interesting this morning i saw him uh, earlier this morning having steak for breakfast i must admit i was a little bit envious so jack you're going through a little <laughs> bit of a a health wellness scenario yourself i'm loving it at the moment em i must admit i uh we went across the road we did breakfast yeah. this morning here on SEN, yeah. and then we went across and, and had just a quick bite to eat and i uh well one of the meals yeah. needed to be i needed to have steak in there so i cooked yeah, steak and, and bought it and tipped it on top of my uh on top of my poached eggs and spud looked at me as if to say what the hell are you doing but this is i don't know i'm just kind of enjoying the preparation side of it yeah, why wouldn't you? That's a great breakfast. I know plenty of people that have steak for breakfast. The only thing you probably want to watch is try not to have too much red meat. Red meat takes yep. a long yeah. while to digest. Yeah, come on, Jack. <laughs> so, 
but I'm also someone that doesn't like chicken breast. I think that is the worst part of the meat. Just because it's the leanest doesn't mean you should eat uh. it, gag through every meal. Have some chicken drumsticks uh. or chicken thighs, just trim the fat off, but they just taste so much better. It's interesting you say this. And, and the other part to this, uh, and I'm trying to be really strict with it, I'm in the third week, but we, we work in a job where I had to travel yeah. uh, to Adelaide yeah. on Saturday for, for work. Mm. I found one day of not being able to just eat the way that you you want to eat. I felt like crap on Sunday because yeah. because I, I I sort of started to get into a routine now. Yeah, and you enjoy that routine, and you enjoy seeing all the the fruits of your labour, if you could call it that. Mm. You know, a flatter stomach, nicer yeah. skin, more energy, all of that kind of stuff. Plus, something I tell all my clients all the time is, you never know who's watching you. You are setting examples to the children, mm. to the people around you. One of the things that uh, this scenario I'm going through, M, M, is to drink a lot of water. And is that probably two twofold? Obviously, to keep a, a sort of feel full, but more importantly, cleanse the system through just drinking pure water. Yeah. Well, your body is made of, oh, what is it, about 65 70% water. So if you don't have enough water going through your system, your metabolism slows down because it's got not using that to get the blood flow and all the cells and all that kind of stuff moving. So you just need to make sure that you're not guzzling it, you're just sipping it throughout the day. And something, um, you know, my, my husband, Chief. Yeah, yes. Chief. How's he going, yeah. by the way? Oh, he's so cute. Do you know what? I'm going to beat him in a race next weekend. You what? What? <laughs> I'm going to beat him in a race next <laughs> weekend. Ah, I look forward to hearing this. What's the race over? Uh, it's over in Colorado. It's the mountain series with Under Armour. And I just, I just... I'm so close to beating him. How this far is, is it? One. 25. <laughs> what, metres? <laughs> yeah, just a quick sprint. And, and <laughs> something tells me as well, and this is not yeah. like flat road running, no. this 25. It sounds quite hilly and it sounds like a lot of terrain to it. I'm not a skier, but apparently it's a double black diamond. Oh, my oh, wow. goodness me. Is hey, that hard? I think yeah, so, yeah. Hard. Hey, just before we let you go as well, I saw uh, something on social media over the weekend that you and the chief are doing some, uh, you've done some wonderful work with transformations, but a couple of, it is Logie season at the moment, a couple of the, yeah. the home and away crew are doing some work at the moment with you. Yeah, we've got three of the cast members, a few more coming on, but I felt like a proud mum watching the Logies the other day. <laughs> Just watching them all send me selfies as they went down the carpet and then presenting their, their Logies. We've got big news coming out in August uh, with our next reveal. I'm not allowed to say who it is. Oh. Um, but it is going to blow your mind. Okay. I think he might be the best one we've ever had. I think as well, if you, if some of those training sessions are going on, I might need to come up and train with you, Em, if, uh, if that's the case. The cast mm. are home and away are going to be there. That's just another conversation yep. for another day all the same. <laughs> Emily, as always, very much appreciate your time, and we'd love to do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Emily Brabon joining us here on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. It's thanks to Chemist Warehouse. It is the house of real fragrances. We'll wrap up with Rob Code after this. No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. This is No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. It's thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances, Spud. We've learnt a lot on tonight's show already, but we've still got a fair bit more to learn here, don't we, before we finish up? Pretty important. We've got the most important guest, uh, Robbie Code, on. And, Rob, I'm just telling uh, to Emily and and Kane Johnson, I've gone through a little... not sure whether health kick's the right word, but I'm a day and a half into no sugar, no caffeine. I still want to train hard, but my body's feeling pretty 
all over the shop at the moment. Can you give me any advice? Yeah, that's that's quite common, especially when your body's used to extra sugar or whatever, you, or coffee or whatever you have put into your body. But uh, yeah, personally, I believe it's that three day period. If you 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 can just push on and just get to your sessions, get it done, push through that flat period, and three to four days into it, you, your body will start adapting to the new diet that you're on. And uh, you'll find that your energy levels will slowly start coming back until your body starts adapting to whatever you're doing. Pretty important. I found I feel pretty thirsty. I'm drinking a lot of water. Is that a good thing? Yeah, it is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Just just oh, if you're thirsty, keep drinking. You're probably dehydrated in the first place. So if you are feeling like tacky in the mouth, especially during the sessions, your mouth is going really dry, tacky, and um, you've got that desert mouth feel. You're obviously dehydrated. So keep getting that water into you. Pump it in, especially in winter. A lot of us do get yeah. dehydrated. In the colder mornings, you, you you don't get the the water into you, and um, yeah, just as soon as, as soon as you get up, start getting that, that hydration going instantly. I know a lot of people say, you know, just take it easy, and I'm sort of one of those guys that, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are as well. You know, give up maybe coffee one day, uh, alcohol a couple of days later, um, some extra sugar, chocolate. I've sort of gone. All in, mate. I've just put all the chips on and are going cold turkey on a lot of the things that I love. I'm still eating really healthy, which I'm enjoying, but I think the brain is playing a lot of games with my body at the moment, saying not to go for that walk. But I must admit, when I get out for a walk, because it's important to keep busy, it's actually helped me twofold. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that one, Spud. I'm exactly the same. Cold turkey is the way to go. Um, you know, a lot of people wean themselves off of anything they're trying to kick, you know, and that, that's just my personal preference, but I'm with you on that one. Um, go cold turkey, get it done, deal with it, and, yeah, adapt to the situation and just keep pushing forward and have the discipline to get your sessions done regardless of how you're feeling. Stay away from the sugars that, you know, we want to stay around because your body will adapt to it and it won't take that long. Robbie, uh, I think we both know Spud well enough to know that he, like a, a lot of our listeners, uh, are full steam ahead. Everything's at a thousand miles an hour, and, and you know that competitor's nature kicks in where they want to crack in straight away. He's on the health kick. How can we avoid injury early on? Because the the obvious well, temptation is to say, okay, we're on a health kick. I'm going to go out and I'm yeah. going to train my yeah. backside off from day one. What? How do we avoid doing that and then getting injured early on and, and putting the whole thing on the blocks? Yeah, good question. Build things up slowly, very slowly. Just build it up, especially if you're coming from a, either a zero fitness level or um, you know you, you haven't been training for some time. Do thorough warm up, especially in the colder days, and uh, do a thorough warm up. Make sure your your heart rate's elevated, your body's warm, you're a little bit sweaty before you start adding that more intensity. But if you are quite deconditioned, build things up slowly, week by week. Slowly increase the intensity, increase the uh, amount of weight that you're, you're pushing and um, your distances and your reps, and just keep adding a little bit little bit by little bit, and uh, your, your body will adapt to whatever you're eating, your training, build it up, and yeah, you'll get there. Tell us about the benefit of a foam roller with all of that, because mm. it's now become yep. uh, quite common in a lot of households and a lot of gyms to, to just jump on the foam roller for five minutes before, which some people do, but the benefits of it after, and I guess how often you would use it as well. Yeah, well, it's that's on an individual basis, I suppose. I mean, uh, I think the older we get, the more tightness we get, more knots we get in the muscle. So the foam rollers are fantastic just for, you know, after sessions even, just for that recovery. 
And uh, yeah, you could be sitting home in front of the TV after your after your training session, and just use a foam roller sitting sitting on it or whatever muscles that you you got the issue with. But foam rollers are great for that recovery, just breaking down the knots in your in your muscle. And yeah, you, and you can combine that with massage as well. The foam rollers are good. Foam rollers yeah. are something. Have you got one, Spud? No, I have. And and obviously, the thing that I've found, Robbie, without as Jack said, overdoing the exercise, I've found. Obviously, reading a book, just keeping active in the mind, and the still time for me is the time where the the dietary intake and and whether I'm doing the right thing, sort of the the mind starts to to play tricks on me. Yeah, it does. It does. It, you know, getting caught in between training sessions and food, and I think food's the hardest one. I'm not sure what Emily um, talked about in regards to that, but um, my personal belief is that try not to get hungry. So yep. the moment you are starting to get hungry, start searching for your healthy snack. And the moment you try to deplete, you should deplete yourself to where, where, where you know everything's breaking down and you're so hungry, you just lash out. And I call it danger zone. You don't, you want to avoid the danger zone. The moment you're in that danger zone, you'll stop off and um, you're, you're going to fall off the wagon and start hitting into that food that we're trying to avoid. Robbie, you're always very generous with your time. Thanks for joining us once again here on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. No problems, guys. See you later. Well, it's been a busy show tonight, Spud, but we've covered a lot of ground and a lot of good ground as well. A big thanks to Kane Johnson. I thought he was just really open and really honest tonight. He was great. He he is a star, mate. He's actually doing more off the field than he did on the field. He was very good on the field. And I think that's a great example for us all, Jack. It's not... It's not what you do, it's what defines you. And I think Kane's doing an outstanding job for men out there. And a big thanks as well to Emily Braybron and Robbie Code for their handy advice as always. And a big thanks to everyone for your texts uh, tonight here on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. And a big thanks to you, Jackie boy. Look forward to seeing you in the morning uh, about 7am. We'll see you in the morning and we will put you back now in the capable hands of BP here on the Sporting <laughs> oh, Capital.